So my pastor always says that there's two most important days in a person's life. And the first day is the person's birthday. And don't necessarily mean the anniversary. I mean the day that they were born. Because on the day that they were born, they were giving a mission, a command by God. God had a reason why he places you on the earth. In his heart, he said, well, I'm going to put them on the earth and I'm also going to give them a purpose. Now, we know this earth is the fallen version of his ultimate will. His will on earth isn't just so that we have a very good life, uh, meaning like uh, an enjoyment life. It's for a deeper reason. It's not just to have a good time on earth. And, and you can see that by looking all throughout the Bible at all the people who were put on the earth and people were allowed to, to suffer. People were allowed to go through what we know as pain. People were allowed to be tested. This isn't heaven. Heaven looks a lot different than this place. Some of us are born into just such hard lives and, and tough lives. And we go through some things that are just, or allowed to go through some things that are just imaginable to some. And, you know, some people say, oh, we're just here to have, you know, fun, have a party and, and, and go on to the next life. But that's not the case. It's to do something. And those pain that we go through... God allows us to go through what, what I call like the fire, but it's not, you know, like not the holy fire, but a type of refining process that will be made like gold. And because of that gold, that gold can be used for the master's purpose to do whatever it is he wants at a moment's notice when it's time, even if God's original destiny for our lives we screwed it up which some of us have you know gods have plans for our lives and we've missed those windows of opportunity and so god still makes new mission and new plan which leads me to the second most important day of a person's life and that is the day of their death the bible says once death then comes the judgment I'm just going to pull that up real quick to see if we have it for reference. And um, that's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Just as people are destined to die once, after that, to face judgment. King's Version says, As it is important to, unto men to die once to die, but after this, the judgment. On the day that we face that judgment, there's no more going back to the earth to finish. That's all. It's The race is over. You made it. But now to see if we actually won the prize. Paul tells us in the Bible that we are to run in such a way 
as to get the prize. Don't you know that only one person gets the prize? So run in such a way that you're trying to get that prize. There's a prize for you, for your life, for your destiny. When you, when you stand before God, God said, okay, this is first place for you. And, and though you're not exactly competing against someone else in per se, you are competing against yourself. And the mission that God had given you originally or throughout your life, the mission that God had given you. The day of your death, when we stand before God, is something that nobody really thinks about because they don't think, am I ready to stand before God and give an account? Now, there's a, there's a passage I'm going to read before we go any further, and I feel impressed by the Spirit to, to read this passage. It's in the newspaper. And um, let's go to Mark chapter 11. Verse 13. And I want you to see how God is. So I'm going to use this passage to highlight some of the heart of God. And not a lot of people really think of God in such a way. But it's, it's really true. And you'll see what I mean in just a moment. Mark chapter 11 verse 12. So Jesus, this is when he was coming into Jerusalem. Right as he entered Jerusalem. And we know that when the Lord comes back. On the final judgment, on the day of the Lord, he will come back over Jerusalem. On the mountain. And it says, the next, uh, verse 12, 11, verse 12, Mark eleven twelve. The next day they were leaving Beth- Bethany. When they were leaving, Be- I'm sorry, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seen in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went out, he went, uh, uh, went to find it. I'm sorry, my mouth isn't working. <coughs> he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned money, uh, overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. <coughs> As he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves and robbers. Verse 19. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look! The fig tree you cursed has withered. 
Verse 22, Have faith in God. Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart what, hap- what they say, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you and your sins. Now I said a few passages, but the main verses I'm going to highlight is the fact that Jesus went to the fig tree because he wanted fruit, and there was no fruit. And then I'm going to share one more. Now let's go to Luke chapter... Um, Actually, let's stay here, right here in Mark first. Let's go to Mark 7. So just a few pages before then. Oh, I'm sorry, not Mark. Uh, Matthew. Matthew 7. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's uh, Matthew 7, verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now let's jump over to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke 13. Just a moment. Verse 6. Then he told this parable. Luke 13, 6. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it, u- why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, here's the thing. We have a God who is looking for fruit from our lives. And our lives have to produce that fruit. When we stand before God, many people don't realize that we're going to stand before the same God 
who's going to have such and such attitude like this. The one who gave his servants a measure of talent, which is money, a measure of something, a measure of trusted possession, something from and that belonged to the father. Hey, cut it up. And cut it out. Peppermint. A measure that belongs to the Father said to them. And this is really special because every person is given a type of measure. And God had them all stand before them when the Master returns. Now is Jesus coming back. And He has entrusted us with a measure of different things in our lives. Sometimes spiritual gifts. Sometimes worldly. Well, a lot of every person's been given different measures of different things. And the Bible says to much is given, much is required. If you've received a lot of measure of love and we're not going out and loving, we're not being loving with that measure we've been given, we're going to be found wanting, wanting. There's a certain fruit that is the harvest that we're looking for. Now, God has been doing this since how long? Basically, since the dawn of time, when both both um, both of Adam's sons, Cain and Abel, were going before the Lord. When Cain and Abel both sit, stood before the Lord, Cain was offering animal sacrifice. I'm sorry, Abel was offering animal sacrifices because he was a shepherd. That he took care of the animals. And Abel was taking care of the vegetables and the fruits. So everyone was given the chance to give fruit from what they had. And the Bible says that God said to Cain, If you don't, he says, what is this you're offering me? Basically he said. And then he said, if you do what's right, won't you be blessed? And he was upset. The Bible says that Cain was upset because God wasn't accepting his sacrifice. His sacrifice, I've asked this to teenagers and said, why didn't God sacrifice or accept his sacrifice? They said, because it wasn't an animal sacrifice. I said, he wasn't a shepherd. He, wasn't, he didn't take care of animals. That's not his specialty. He didn't have really animals to take care of. The Bible says that that was Abel's job. God was not looking for animals and said, oh, well, you're not giving me animals. Why would God ask you? That's like, you know, me asking a cat to bark. You know, like, how come you're not barking? I said, I'm returning this cat. No, I didn't give him the really the ability. The reason, and God even gave him a backup plan. He says, if you, do, if you do what's right, won't you be blessed? The truth of the matter is that Abel was offering the best and the first fruits. And Cain was just offering whatever of his fruit. He could have done the same. He could have offered his first fruits. Abel was making sure that, you know, Oh God, he's not getting a spotted lamb or something like that. He said, I'm, I'm going to give him the best to God. He was making sure, he was taking thought into what his gift was when he stood before the Lord. Okay? And, and this, this, this for further reading, um, and you can read this on your own. I'm kind of going through a lot of scripture here, but um, this is found in Genesis chapter 4. 
Um, and and uh, actually, it's not long. Let's read it real quick. Uh, Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain <coughs> worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. <coughs> so we can see the thought that is taken into Abel's gift. And it says, The Lord looked on favor with Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. But then the Lord says to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So what happened was, Cain was offered the chance. To, for, God was saying, both of you guys can have favor. It's not like I'm a biased God. Am I looking for fruit? Yes, I am. But is it just a one, one shoe, one prize? Really? Really? No. Both of them had the opportunity to win. To look with God with favor. There's people who would say, oh, this person's prospering, this person's prospering. And they kind of run the race like fighting that person or fighting others or being angry in life because somebody has and you don't know we all have the opportunity to win favor with God you need to look at yourself you need to look at yourself when we stand before God and we're not being accepted we need to get out of the mentality where we're passing blame on other people for why we're not prospering with the Lord or why God's hand is not with us and even if we're going through a hard time, and that's just our, our lot right now, um, why we are not excelling in our relationship with God, or we can't hear the Lord anymore, like we need to really look at ourselves. Like, what am I doing? Oh, Lord, well, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this happened to me. This is why. And we pass the blame. Now, Cain did such a thing because the next verse says in verse 8. After God told him what to do, okay, he says, Cain said to his brother, let's go out into the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And he says, I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? Then the Lord says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. From your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield the crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Now, Cain took the easy way out. And he said, you know what? Well, if God's not receiving me, it must be because he's receiving you. And that's not exactly the answer. God gave him his instruction. And that was, I want you to produce fruit. I want you to produce fruit, a good fruit, and it's not because someone's making the fruit, it's you. If you're not producing fruit, whose fault is it? Yes, it's ours. If we're not making God happy, is it our ex-wife's fault? Ex-boyfriend? Is it the fact that we have too many kids? 
Is it the fact we don't have resources? No. No, 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 no. The truth of the matter is, even if you were in prison and everything was taken away, we have the ability to make God happy with the fruit. We need to be thinking, I'm going to be standing before my God on the day of my death and having to say in God, uh, to God, this was my fruit. And God's going to be looking. Will that offering be acceptable? Will it be an acceptable sacrifice before the Lord? Because I could show you another scriptures, and this is a, this is a real deep subject, but there's other scriptures, um, like in Revelation, uh, where uh, God says, like, everything will be tested by the fire, whatever man has, and it will be run through the fire. And whatever's left standing will be the work that he has. And every man's work will be seen, whether it be hay or stubble, wood or gold. So a lot of times people build these lifetimes worth of, of uh, you know, careers. And at the end of it matters. They spent their whole life and really sometimes only a small portion of what lasted in eternity will actually carry over into eternity. It, it's, it's really sad that a person can live their whole life not thinking that my whole life is to be led for that moment. Nothing else matters. There's things you're going to do. Yeah, yes, we're going to have a job. We're going to have career sometimes. Sometimes we're going to do this and this and that. But what's actually going to carry over into eternity and be the fruit that is pleasing to our God? That's all that really matters. In a hundred years in heaven, or even just five years in heaven, it's not going to matter how much money you actually made on the earth. Oh, you were a doctor. Oh, wow, that's nice. You know, the, probably some of the people over there, they don't even practice the same medicine, you know, in heaven. You know, the, there may not, there's not even going to need it be a need, you know, for the most part. Um, it's not going to be, uh, oh, wow, you were, you were such a... Such a, a, a you know a high ranking um, man in your company, and that company doesn't exist in heaven. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Like the high and mighty will be brought low, and the low who are will be exalted. Um, and that's a scripture too. That he who humbles himself will be exalted. He who does not humble himself will be brought low. There is going to be a shifting that is the really the only shifting that matters. And all these things happen on our day of death. Our final day that we stand before the Lord. These things are the most important days of a person's life. The next part I want to say is we have pain. We have pain that we experience during this walk. Because God sometimes allows us to kind of go through that fire to be refined. And, and because of that, I'm going to pull up that scripture. And it's found in second, oh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So let's all turn there. And this is in reference to the verses I was just talking about from memory. 
Let's start at verse 10. This is really important. If you're listening via audio, um, the state is I haven't um, put away these cats who were wandering around. So if you're listening, um, that's why you can hear the the cat fight in the background. <laughs> that's why I normally put them up before any kind of Bible study, but I didn't today. Now let's listen. Let's listen. First Corinthians chapter two, verse ten. By grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Verse 11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. I'll read that again. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer a loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. So, there is a truth. Some people are going to go to heaven and nothing they did on the earth will have mattered. Nothing will survive for some people. Some people are building with costly stones and they're building with gold and precious metals gold and silver but there's others who are building with wood they think is stone they're building with hay that they think is gold and God's saying all these castles and all these towers that represent your life and the things that we've done are going to be put before me. What's going to stay and what's going to remain? God will test every person's work. And some of us are barely going to get to heaven, but just as somebody who ourselves is barely escaping those flames. How sad to live your whole life knowing you're the least in the kingdom. Your, there is rank in heaven for the eternity. People don't think about that. We just think, oh, we're all the same. No, 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 we're not. Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then such and such. Jesus says, if you want to store up treasures in heaven, do such and such. Like there's, there's actually treasure storehouses. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. The, um, it, it, it's true. If, if, you, if, you go to, if you're able to see heaven while you're on the earth, you actually see your 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 possessions being taken up from the earth and and heavenly material be will be given to your to uh, to the angels provided by our Lord Jesus Christ every time you're doing the things of God 
or you're, you're serving the Lord, you're, you're, you're um, praying for others, you're uh, giving love uh, uh, for others, you are um, witnessing, you're doing anything pleasing to God, anything out of your faith, you're actually storing up treasures in heaven. When you're doing the will of God, you're actively... You know, the angels are saying, thank you. And when you're praying and there's people that um, they, they're going to get to heaven and they're going to be very surprised that they didn't give, they didn't really store up any treasure in heaven. And Jesus tells us to store up your treasures in heaven. And we know these things um, and you'll, you'll see these things to be true. Um, when you get to heaven, you're going to see people who serve the Lord their whole life and they have great, great reward. And other people who are just barely getting in and they don't have those giant mansions like those who faithfully served. Everybody thinks, oh, we're just going to receive the same reward. No, it is a kingdom. And there are the least in the kingdom. There are those who are thrown out of the kingdom because even right now you can have your citizenship in heaven. But you can be thrown away, thrown out. And where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, the, you study the Bible, you're, you're going to see that, that we can become of the hypocrites. We can become of the, those who, fall, who fell away. Um, we have to run this way. Even Paul said, I need to run lest, lest I, I myself be disqualified. And he's Paul. And he did a lot of stuff. Jesus said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And Jesus will say to them, Yes, you did. And you did them in my name. You laid your hands upon the sick. You, you, you cast out demons in my name. And those were the things that Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. Those were the believers. Those weren't the world. The people who are going to be said, I never knew you, are going to be people who believed once, but couldn't finish. So these are, there's a lot to really consider on the day of our death. But apart from all that, the main thing I want us to consider is that our work can be tried as nothing. Now, with that also said, we have pain. And, and I'm gonna, this, is the, this is really the second part. And I wanted to, to lay that foundation. I want to say a story as it relates to this. Um, my pastor, uh, his wife, uh, she had um, tuberculosis, a severe case of tuberculosis, and she was dying. She was very sick, and the doctors could not do anything for her, and they were also poor. And they had a small church underneath, like the ground, like it was below level. In fact, many people thought that the church was just a, 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 a trash uh, or a restroom. And so people would sometimes go down there looking like, oh, I thought this was the bathroom because of how the church was positioned underground. Um, you had to go down the stairs to this small little room that was smaller, smaller than this. And people... But the pastor was there every day praying. And they loved to pray. And that was something that him and his wife loved to do is that they loved to pray. But it occurred to them that after a while, the, her case was not getting any better. And the wife knew it. And that was Mrs. Kim. And the pastor, they just prayed. Oh, Lord, heal her. Lord, heal her. But the Lord didn't heal her. 
during that season of their life. So as they begin to pray every day, the wife said to the pastor, and I never want you to forget this story. She said, well, if I'm going to die, I might as well die in the house of God. I might as well die praying. So this is what she said. Why don't I just pray until I die? I'm dying. Why don't I pray until I die? And the husband and wife, Pastor Kim and Mrs. Kim, agreed. And her name is Kang Hyunja. So they begin to go to the church and just pray and just wait for the end. But to pray. I think of the story of, of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. And, and I want to um, go there next in this, in this message. So if you are with me still, go to Daniel's, Daniel chapter, um, I'll tell you in just a moment, 719. The book of Daniel is on page 719. <laughs> just kidding, you probably have a different Bible. And in the book of um, Daniel, I want you to go to chapter 3. <clears throat> the background of the story was that the king had issued a law that everyone is to bow down and, and worship this image of the king that the king had set up. And the law was anyone who did not worship this image would be put to death. There was three men who were men of God and they did not bow down and worship when it was time to worship this image. The law said in uh, Daniel chapter 3 verse 15, Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Let's all say that together. 
the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. One more time. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And He will deliver us from it. Deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if He does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothing, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's, com- at the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. Weren't there three men? That we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. And he said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar, then Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the stirrups, prefects, governors, and royal visors, and crowded around them, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that any that the people of any nation or language who say anything about the, against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their house be turned into a piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the province of Babylon, in the province of Babylon. This is such a blessing. We have a king. Who first said, you're going to be destroyed. But these three men of God had the attitude. God can save us. We're about to suffer greatly. We're about to die. We're about to go through it. Today is our day of death. The only thing that really matters now. Is how we go out. We're going to stand before God. And we're not going to stand before God saying 
are found in lack. We're going to be standing before God knowing we finished and we finished strong. And if we die, we're going to die doing what's right. Today we die. But today we die doing what's right. Our God is able. Do you know our God is able to save us from some of the things we're going through? And it's our job to have faith that God will save us from those things. But if He does not save us and He allows us to continue going through those things, for whatever mysterious reasons He may have, even if those reasons are not reasons that we are ready to understand right now, are able to understand right now, or even if we can understand right now, our heart's not in a place where we can actually accept those reasonings, even if they are right from God. So God doesn't always tell us why we are allowed to be dying. Some of us are going through such a pain that we feel like we're dying. And some of us really are dying. This is our time of death. We're about to be cut down. Now God can cut us down, and, and there it is. Whatever fruit we have, or Jesus can be saying, that's it. No more withering. Uh, you don't get more chance. I came to you for fruit. There's no fruit. That's it. Your time is done. Or he could be like the other story when he said where the, where the servant cried out. And that could be the angels. That could be the great cloud of witnesses in heaven saying, no, give him a little more time, God. Give him a little more time. And God says, fine. I'll let them live for just one more year. Does God do such things? Well, in the Bible, there was a chant, there was time when I think it was Je- King Jehoiakim. Um, he was, it was his year to die. He was going to die, and he called out to the Lord, "Please, Lord, just be merciful to me, please." And the Lord gave him another seven more years to finish out his race with the bang. And he spent that seven years accumulating some great, great treasure. And he did some things, and I don't mean earthly treasure, I mean heavenly treasure. And in that seven years, he, he served the Lord strong because God was faithful to bless him. God, he said, we know God is able sometimes to take us, but sometimes he's able to just take us out now. And when that happens, we, 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 our race is over. We get to go to heaven. We get to say, but... I don't know about you, but I want more time. Because I don't think I'm ready. To stand before God and say, Yep, Lord, this is it. He's going to say, a lifetime? I gave you 33 years on the earth. I'm 33. I gave you 33 years on the earth. And this is what you have to show for me? I, for myself, and I don't know about you, I don't want to end like this. I've failed him too much already. I've already lost so much of what he's entrusted to me. Because of my own life and choices and decisions and foundations and whatnot. This is... What, what do I have to really give? If I have a little bit of time to spend preparing my portfolio, I want as much time as God's going to give me to make things right by Him. 
to spend a lifetime serving God. You know, people say, oh, God, God wouldn't allow this kinds of things. Well, you know, Paul, he was a murderer. Then he met Jesus and he became a believer. He met him on the road. He was a murderer and he did things in the name of the Lord. He thought he was serving God. He thought he was living for the Lord. And the Lord appeared to him and he says, Why are you persecuting me? And he was like, Whoa, I got it all wrong. And God said to him, I will show... He actually, uh, there was uh, somebody uh, who said, You're going to heal Paul because I made him blind. And I'm telling Paul to go to you so you can lay your hands on him and heal him and he'll be my servant. And the man said, are you sure, Lord? This man's done a lot of bad stuff. I mean, this is what God said. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And this is found in uh, Acts um, if you are looking for that. Pull it up. It's uh, Acts chapter 9. And then that verse I'm looking for is verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this, is, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. There is a suffering that some of us have to endure before we go. Before we check out and clock out of this life. As I'm coming, um, coming up towards the end of the service, I want to go back to uh, the sermon. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 16 now. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Verse 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Let's read 26 as well. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their own soul, their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, 
and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Hallelujah. Amen. This, um, along the same passage, this a similar verse is located in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And we're going to talk about the crucifixion. <clears throat> then he said to them all, 9.23, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? Hallelujah. The scripture right before this, Jesus explained that in 22, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, as I kind of go and bring all this to a conclusion, before I do that, I want to talk about the crucifixion. People say, people sometimes forget the importance of the cross. I want you to kind of get out of that mindset. I want you to really think about the cross for just a moment. Most times when I say, oh, think about the cross, they think of the cross pattern that we know, a nice decoration on the wall. We have one here with the crown of thrones in the middle. Um, there is, uh, you know, decorative crosses. We have one also over there with a flower. Um, in the middle, and we think, oh, that's the cross. But that's not exactly the cross. The cross was a symbol of death. And not just a symbol of death. It was a tool. It was an instrument. It represented your final resting place where you will be tortured and taken out. It wasn't just death, because if you wanted to die, they would just kill you by hitting you in your head. No, no, no. The cross was slow, agonizing, tormenting, excruciating, humiliating death. Jesus didn't say, if you want to follow me, you must be willing to die for me. He said, you must take up your cross. When Jesus was put on the cross, he was raised up on the cross. They put him in the cross and then he attached it to the hole and he was put up for all to see. It was a spectacle of death. But Lord, why so gruesome? Why so gross? Honestly, I don't really know. One of, this is one of the things I'm going to ask the Lord when I get to heaven. Some of you may already have this discussion with the Lord. Whatever the case on why the Lord specifically chose to use the cross and not a hanging or not any other type of death. It's, regardless, it's irregardless to the point that God said 
there will be a death that I want you to carry and to walk. You must be willing to take up my cross. No, no, no. It didn't say take up my cross and follow me. Whose cross did it say? That's right. Take up your cross. So, so many of us forget that we, we are, have our own cross that we also must bear. Some of us tell God, Lord, why? Why, Lord, why? Not forgetting the fact that, remember part of the contract? You have your cross. We have a cross that we must bear. Let's all say that so we don't forget it. I have a cross that I must bury. I have a uh, that carry. I have a cross that I must carry. Let's say it one more time. I have a cross that I must carry. Whose name is written on that cross? Your name. Your name is written on that cross. There is a withering, a dying that is required of us. It's a process of death. So a wonderful thought occurred to me as the Lord began to put this message in my heart. And... um. The disciples were the ones to say it best. Let me pull up the verse. When the Lord was first pointing on this message to me, this is this is the the, the verses that came up, uh, the reference that came up, and I believe it's found in um, John chapter eleven. So let's go to John chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I never really praised the disciples so much for saying this until the Lord showed me this message. And it says this. In uh, oh, hold on. Uh, let me find the the verse that's gonna put this one in perspective because you may not realize that. Ah, okay. In verse four. 6, and then we're going to read 16. So in verse 4, it says, When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Uh, Verse 6, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Verse 7, Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. Verse 8, But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? 
Verse 9, Then Jesus, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. Verse 10, It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Verse 14, So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, that you may believe, but let us go to him. Verse 16. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. I'll read the last verse one more time. Verse 16. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. At this time, to many of them, it was not really revealed, even though some of them knew that Jesus really was the Messiah. Some of them still doubted that in their heart. We can see this later on uh, when, when the disciples, after Jesus uh, went on the cross, uh, after Jesus died, they had said to Jesus in disguise, we had hoped he was the Messiah. So they weren't really sure. They, they still, you know, it was just like, I hope, kind of thing. And this is what they were at. They were at a position where they were following a man that they had hope in, doing the works of God. And the man said, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to serve him by going to do the works of God for Lazarus. We're going to go wake Lazarus up. If the disciples understood or didn't understood that what that exactly meant is regardless of the point. God said, this is my will. They said, okay, we're going to follow him. We're going to serve the Lord. But there is not a logic here because a little while ago, they tried to kill you. If we go with you, we're going to die. Jesus said, I I'm going. And for your sakes, I'm glad because I'm going to do the work of my Father to bring glory to God. The disciples knew he was going to do it regardless. So they said to one another, Thomas said to them, and they all agreed because they all went. But Thomas said, this is so important. If let us go that we may also die with him. Jesus died on the cross and he was raised up. God gave us a cross. He said, come, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus said, you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus went on a cross and he was raised up and he also promised that I will also raise you up at the end. At the great end when it's time to bring you to my Father. After you die, there's a promise of eternal life. For God so loved the Lord, uh, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There's an everlasting life that is offered to us for those who are believers in the Lord, even if we physically die on the earth. Thomas had it right. The disciples had it right when they said, well, Let's go. Let's go die for him. 
Let's die serving the Lord. Let's go die bringing glory to God because that's what Jesus said He's going to do. He's going to bring glory to God, His Father. So if we're going to die, I want to die that way. I want to go out serving God. Because Jesus told us there's a death that we're going to have to go through. And ultimately, there's only one way this ends. You crawling on your cross. You have to take up the cross. Not take down the cross. When they took down the cross, Jesus' death was over. When you go up on the cross, you crawl on it. It's not a forced thing. Because Jesus went voluntarily. You have a choice to cop out. Everyone has a choice to say, you know what? I throw in the towel. They keep a white towel available for the boxers when they go in the matches. And when it's too much, either the coach or the boxer himself will say, I'm done. And they will throw in. And while they're getting pounded, they're getting destroyed, they're getting beaten, they're bloody. The referee will go in there and he'll look at them and he'll say, hey, hey, are you good? Are you good? Do you want to end? Do you want to end? Do you want to end right now? We can, you can end. You can, you can tap out. And the guy who's bleeding and everything, even though the ref will be like, I, I want to stop this. I want to stop this. And the, guys, the guy can say, no, no, no. I want more. I want more. I want more. Every person knows how much they can take. But here's the thing. Here's something that you've probably never thought of before. It's definitely something I've never really spent too much time thinking about myself. Why don't we just take until we die? You see what I mean? Like, oh Lord, I can't take that. It's too much. I'm, I'm suffering too much. I'm going through so much. And we say, oh, the Lord knows how much we can take, but... What if we raised the point of what we can take to giving our life to the point where we say, well, that means death. Because we always set the bar of our, how much we can take by how much we can comfort, how much we can endure with still being alive. But what if what if we were to try a new strategy? I wonder what would happen if those of us who are listening adopted a new heart and attitude towards this that said, I'm going to go until I die with you. I'll take until the point of, well, until I die. Because that's what it truly means to give your life. Some people say, oh, give your life to the Lord. They, 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 they interpret that as giving your heart to the Lord. But Jesus said, oh, take up your cross. So we, we buy a little cross necklace and that's what we think cross is. And we don't realize that Jesus was actually talking about death. A death process that was not quick, but what? Long. It was long. Yeah, it was slow. It was painful, excruciating. We didn't know when it was going to end. They didn't know when it was going to end. They were just waiting to die. But they were doing God's will. God was honoring them. They were thinking in mind, this is the last, this is my last day. Someone once said, 
If you really knew that today was your last day, what would you do differently? But this is the type of attitude that we really should have that if I go into this situation, enduring to the point of, well, I'm dying, Lord. I'm dying here. I'm nothing and you're destroying me. I'm surrendering my body. But then you do it with a good heart. Well, Lord, let me go with you that I may die with you. Then that's a life that you've actually surrendered to God. If that's giving your life to God, saying, Lord, my life is that if I die, it's yours. I'll die with you. Mrs. Kim, I commend her. And the Lord commends her because she said, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die praying. And I'm going to die in the house of God. There's times that we've been enduring things in this life. And we haven't thought about that this may be it for us. We're just trying to survive. We're not thinking that today I may have to stand before the life and give the Lord an account. Well, I'm showing you how to count to knock three birds with one stone. That if you're going to die and you're going to have fruit, you will have fruit if you give your life. I guarantee it. If you give everything, because you'll be able to say, I gave 100%. You cannot say, I gave 100% unless you're willing to die. And you did. Through it. If the Lord comes to us before and saves us like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, praise God. If He allows the stoning to happen like to Stephen in the book of Acts, praise God. If He allows us to stay in the tomb, praise God. But if He raises us up, that's the hope we have. That even that tomb will not be able to hold us. Think about it. Jesus didn't just appear alive as a ghost. He actually physically came back to life. He was, they were like, you're a ghost. He's like, no, I'm not a ghost. Does a ghost have flesh and blood like you see here? And they were, like, they were still scared of him. And he said, fine, bring me some fish. Bring me some fish. What do you got to eat? What do you got to drink? And they brought him some food and he started eating. And they started watching him just swallow and eat and you're just laughing up eating some real food imagine Jesus just peered in here and he started cooking up some bacon you can smell the bacon you can touch the bacon he even says hey here's a piece of the bacon he goes in your fridge and gets your own bacon and eats it that's that's how real the Lord really is and that's how real you're really going to be that's that's how weak death actually really holds on you if you're willing to go through that door of the cross This is a new way to think about pain. This is a new way to think about it because it's a new way to think about endurance. I'm dying, Lord, we may say. Then die. Die serving Him. Die giving it, knowing that you gave it all. End your race knowing I left it all on the table. I didn't hold anything back. I didn't hold it back to the point of death. 
No. I went and I embraced that death. Because he who seeks life, he must lose it. And if you lose your life, you'll find life. And death will never be able to hold you back again. All the things that bind us, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego went through it. And God, they went through the death. And death was all around them. People were dying that were just even putting them into the flames. It was affecting them. But when they went through it, they came out as refined like gold. And remember, God said, your works will be tried by what? Fire. You must be willing. I must be willing. And we all must be willing to walk through that testing fire where God is allowed to see our works and allow God to put us to that test to the point of death and beyond. Have in mind that this is the real reason you're still alive. Because God's given us chance to prepare for that final day when every man's work will be tried for what it really is. I'm grateful for every moment I still get to have and breathe when I'm alive on this earth. Because it's like God's given me another chance to prepare, to pray more, to read more, to witness more, to do more of His work, to get more, to set up my foundation for eternity. Remember Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. I have not seen the Lord Jesus yet. And yet, I'm preparing to Him. Because I've seen Him. I know Him. He's real. I feel Him. I I hear Him. I believe. If you're a believer, prepare. And if you're going through such pain, if you're going through so much, just think, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing it is to die serving the Lord. Thank God for your pain. I've never really praised God for my pain. I tell the Lord, sometimes I feel like I'm dying. Every person knows the deepest things that they're going through. The true battles that are on the inside. Some of them are on the outside. Whether they're in or out, some of us really feel like many times we're dying. But then die. But if you're going to die, serve the Lord with everything last, with every last breath you got. If all you got is one more breath, then use that breath. Do you understand? If you're holding on by one string, then use that string. If you only got 12 more seconds that you can take this before you feel like you're going to die, then use all 12 seconds and die. Because I guarantee you, if you lose your life, 
for him you will find life you will find he'll actually sometimes even refresh you he'll save you and even if he does not wow what great will your reward be in the next kingdom the real kingdom and I pray for you if you're listening by audio to this message I pray for you I pray that you can endure to your death I pray that you can accept your death your cross pray for me also Pray for the Lord's members, uh, the Church of the Lord's members of the uh, Lord's Church of Arizona, as well as other churches around the world in other countries who are serving God, the body of Christ, the people who are tasting that death, some of it even by physical torture with chains, abuse. Blessed are those who are suffering and persecuting, being persecuted for righteousness' sake. The kingdom belongs to such as those, and great will the reward be. Dear Lord, I thank you, God, for helping me to understand my death, my most important day, the last one, I can't change my birthday. I can't change the original plans. Or that I may have failed in some of those plans. I may have gotten off the paths that you have originally set. Please, for those of us who do not have new plans and we feel like our life is not going anywhere, give us new plans. Restore to us what was lost, God. Restore to us our lost spiritual gifts. Re restore, God. Restore the years the cankerworm has destroyed. Lord, store up our real treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy either. Let us realize where our real treasure is so that we are not so afraid to die not so afraid to lose everything for your sake, for the sake of the gospel and for you. Teach us what a true death is. Not just to die quickly, Lord, but to take up the cross, which we know wasn't a fast death, but a process. A process that we must be willing to embrace. I must be willing to embrace it too. Please start with me, Lord, and help me to follow you and to die with you. Help us, help us, God, and those who are listening under the sound of my voice. Lord, give us your strength to endure your fire and the tests and the enemies attacks if they last until we die then let us ourselves be made as pure gold as you were transfigured on the mountain you shone like a gleaming bronze 
Your skin became glowing, your hair white as wool and snow. The shell was broken. The true gold came out. Lord, may our shells be broken and true gold appear in your hands. What you're really asking for, the fruit of our lives. Let our fruit be accepted because our sacrifice be pure. I give these things to you, Father. I pray for those who are listening, God, that you would be with them. Love them. If they've been outside of you, Lord, may they repent of their sins and turn towards you. If we've been slack with thinking about your coming, Lord, and not wanting to prepare for this day, the final day, forgive us. Teach us, O Lord, your ways. Give us your strength, my God, my God, my God, my God. Give us your help. Send help, Father. Give us strength to endure more. And for those who are dying, give them strength. If you keep us to the point of death our whole lives on this earth, praise God. If you give us many uh, wealth, the Lord, and you, you give us only good times, then praise God. For it is appointed to man once to die and then to face the judgment. And Job was a rich man, and he was blessed his whole life. He was having a good life until one day you took it, everything away from him. You allowed the enemy to strip his whole life. He died and was out there in the field cutting himself with the pottery or scraping the wounds and, the, and the itching himself with just this jagged edge of pottery just because that was the only thing that would comfort his skin. Lord, even he was just wanting death. And you said to him, Who is this that clouds my wisdom? Who is this that clouds my judgment? Because he began to become angry at you for dying, for losing everything. He became upset that he didn't understand. When we don't understand why we are suffering, let us steal Walk towards you. Rely on you, God. Let us still hold you. Even we understand or we don't understand because then you asked him all these questions. And he said, Surely, Lord, I spoke of things I did not understand. And he sought your forgiveness. Lord, we've cried out to you because of our pain. We've said, Lord, why? I can't take this. I can take this. But now, Lord, I pray that you would raise up us differently, our pain in such a way that we embrace the pain and say, Lord, thank you for this cross. And in all things, we are able to count it all joy. Some of us haven't been able to count the joy and the things we've lost and the pain that we've been going through. It's so hard, but Lord... The Bible says that when the disciples were whipped in the book of Acts that they counted it joy to have suffered because you also suffered. And they, were, they counted glad that they were finally able to share in some of that suffering that you have actually suffered, my Lord. I'm thankful for the hard times that I've gone through because those times have been made me more like you. 
They have been allowing me to go through this fire and become more pure. I want to be more like you. Please help our church, Lord Jesus. Help our people, Lord, to be more like you. I love you, my Father. You are the best. I thank you for today's home Bible study. I pray that you would bless every message that we always share. Show us your word. Show us your life. You're a good God. You're a good Father. You've been good to me. Bless us, God. And bless the people. Come and heal their land. Heal them, Father. Heal them of their wounds. Bring healing. Because many of us are already tasting death. Bring life. Please, bring it quickly. I love you, Lord. I love them. Fill all the empty chairs with souls soon. Restore this church like you did once before and even greater. I thank you, Lord. Ready your people so that we may truly say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.